Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than getting the Argos or Index, remember Index, catalogue and seeing those new toys, whether it be Mask or Thundercats, WWF, He-Man, whatever it was, Boglins. That was always a great moment in the year, wasn't it? My name's Ash Rose, your host and guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast. And how the devil are you? Uh, we're all good here. Have you been catching up with This Week in the 90s? Our, uh, I don't want to say new anymore because I think we've done seven now. Is seven still new? But anyway, if you haven't, download. It's now a weekly guaranteed episode. Pop up on your device every Monday or Tuesday, depending on the week and what there is to talk about. But we look back, me, Joe and Matthew, Chris usually, looking back at things that happened this week in the 90s. Check it out. But this is a full-length, classic, retro, vintage episode of Alive and Kicking, which kind of works because this is a classic, vintage, retro podcast, isn't it? Yeah, all about the 90s. Um, unfortunately, I want to start on a bit of a sombre note. Um, it really, really sad news this week, uh, yesterday as we record, um, the sad passing of Ray Wilkins, who, um, for me, especially he, when I first got into football in the in the early 90s and the late 80s, he, he was a QPR man, and I'm a QPR fan, as you know. He was the fulcrum, the beacon of that QPR team in the middle, um, as we were top London club in 1993. Um, he just was the linchpin of that side, a fantastic footballer, someone I, I remember fondly. My dad loved him as well. Um, always, my dad always still refers to him as Butch Wilkins as well. Um, he was a great, great player for QPR. I know he's kind of been remembered more fondly uh, for Chelsea, but I think he played the same sort of man- games um, for Rangers as well. So, to, you know, for me, in my eyes, he's always been a Rangers man, but it doesn't matter what man he is because he was a great man and a gentleman. It's a sad, sad passing for him. Um, obviously, he went on to manage QPR. I wasn't successful in that, but that wasn't completely down to him. But he was a great coach um, later in the decade for um, Fulham and then Chelsea. But I've met him on a couple of occasions since um, since the 90s and in, in my current role. And he is such a, such a nice man. Whatever you've read and seen, and there's been such a nice outpouring of of emotion and nice words and nice memories of Ray. It's all true. Um, I, I can't, I've never met or seen people say a bad word against Ray. He is just an absolute gen and it's a very, very big miss to the football world he will be. I mean, even in the 90s, you remember the Tango adverts? I know it's a silly memory to say, but, you know, that his voice was so synonymous with that as well. It was. It's just a very, very sad uh, um, moment and sad passing for the football world. So thoughts go out to, to Ray's friends, family and everyone involved with the clubs that he's been with. It, it's a big loss. So I uh, just want to say thank you uh, to, to Super Ray, to, to Butch Wilkins for everything he'd done for football and, and for QPR. On with today's show, though, and uh, we've got another full-length episode for you. Um, the last one we did, I hope you enjoy, because we really, really enjoyed recording it. I think I said that in my intro to the last um, podcast that we did. Um, we looked inside, inside Manchester United, this bizarre documentary that we eventually got to the bottom to, because um, Matthew Christ found the original VHS that he uh, that he had, and we found out why it was even made. But it was a really good look back. If you haven't listened to it, download it. It's... Um, Basically, me, Joel, and Sid Lambert looking back at this weird Man United documentary that's on YouTube. Have a look at the documentary as well because it's just hilarious and all its Alan Partridge ness. It, it was really, really fun to record and watch. I've watched it again since. It's that cringy. So go back and, and listen and watch those two things. And today we're talking about um, another niche thing of the 90s. I think um, the Renford Rejects episode we did a, a few episodes ago went down quite well. So I wanted to bring this one up. This is probably not quite as niche as the Renford Rejects because um, these guys were a staple hold of the 1990s. Um, they were released then. They're still going now in different guise. 
but we are talking about Corinthian figures. Yeah, I know you had them, you're nodding your head as I say it. Everybody had a batch of Corinthian figures, whether it was just a few here and there or a complete collection um, or you went mental for it, as did somebody uh, on today's show who we'll be speaking to um, who's got so many. I want to go to his house and have a tour of them. Um, brilliant, brilliant. We'll get to that in, in just a second. So yeah, we'll be looking back at some of those memories and I looked back with you guys. I asked you on Twitter what your what were your memories of Corinthian figures of this era and you know a few of you got involved you wanted to tell us a few of you didn't want to, to admit how many Corinthian figures you probably still own hey I do I've got I'm gonna point I'm pointing to my shelves but they are empty because I'm in the process of moving but usually next to me here on my right are my uh, collection of Corinthian figures modest collection I'd like a lot more um, but a few tweeters said uh, Ryan McWrestling at wrestling underscore maniac said the first Lee Bowyer one is the worst it looks like Peter Reed it does it's a terrible one I think they went a bit crazy on his head on his ears and his nose it does look like Peter Reed uh, Steve Rawlingson at Royal Obese says uh, that the worst has to be Beckham seriously and he's put a picture of the David Beckham one the first Beckham one is awful it looks nothing like him it looks kind of a hybrid of Brian Robson and Brian McClare it's uh, it's not a great figure um, re-down re drinking I think that is um, sorry if I got that wrong the Paul Warhurst one is woefully bad it was my childhood collecting those figures every weekend after playing football match magazine Beano to Woolworths to see what figures they had in stock loved it yeah as did I yeah I remember the uh, the first time they come out we'll get to that in a second and then LFC for life you had a good result last night love them still got a few who didn't love them you know the Corinthian figures so what they were we'll go through this um, when we get to the main beef of the show but it was these little figures big heads little bodies kind of like the bobbleheads that you see now but in smaller versions and they didn't actually move and they were launched during Euro 96 I remember my first one from Soccer Stars magazine I can even remember the news agent where I got it from I can see it uh, for anyone in you know, South East London at all down the dip as it's called off Plumstead Common there used to be a news agent's um, I want to say corner, but it was in the corner, more on the corner, next to a row of houses. With the last one, there's kind of uh, a hairdresser next to it. There was at the time. Um, there was a yeah, it was a news agent there, and I picked up there. I don't know where we'd come from. I don't know why we're walking there. Probably the co-op or something. Me and my mum and my dad. Um, and as I was a magazine addict, I got the new soccer stars and then saw these figures and figures was another thing I was completely banging into as a kid and still am much to the detriment of my wife um, talking of things packed away there's a lot of figures packed away in there ready for the new office when I move so that was my first memory of Corinthian figures and we get into all that with two guests today we've never had on the show um, which is really nice um, not that it's not nice to have all the regulars because I love them to bits but we've got some new fresh memories and new football CVs um, from a couple of guys on Twitter who are big Corinthians collectors uh, one of them it's actually called Corinthian Collector on Twitter um, and then we've got another one who's called MCFC Shirts on Twitter but we get to know them a bit better we get to know their real names and stuff on the show we also have an interview with former QPR striker and somebody I know quite well because he uh, wrote the foreword to my QPR Miscellany book yep cheap plug there it's still available bit out of date but still available Kevin Gallen joins us on the phone as he talks about his time at Rangers in the 90s as well as being part of that talented uh, England team at the under 19 tournament the Toulon tournament that they won in 93 very very talented side uh, he also in an unfortunately timely fashion uh, speaks to us about Ray Wilkins because he was in the team uh, around the same time as Ray in those early 90 days at, at QPR and he shares his memories uh, of Ray after the sad passing this week so that's all to come on today's show your full length 
episode of Alive and Kicking for this time around. Uh, remember, you can join in all the 90s fun every day on our Twitter feed at AK90s. Uh, we are on Facebook as, as well, but we generally use Twitter as our social media weapon of choice. And if you are a subscriber on iTunes, one way you can really, really help us is to do a five-star rating and review. That would be really, really helpful. Keeps us going, spreads the Alive and Kicking word as the original 1990s football podcast. But enjoy today's show as we go talk about Corinthians, all their big heads and everything with two brand new guests on the show, as well as the magic hat man, Kevin Gallen on Alive and Kicking. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Welcome back to Alive and Kicking, um, the 90s football podcast, of course. Uh, the original one. Don't listen to others. This is the best. Uh, we're joined today. I'm really, really pleased today. We're joined by two friends of the show, people and fans of the show, um, which is really, really nice. Um, I've got to know them via the show, They're them listening and saying some kind things about it, plus their love for the 90s as well. Um, you may know them on Twitter, firstly, as MS, MS? No, MCFC Shirts. Um, his real name is Andy Tasker. Andy, welcome to Alive and Kicking. Hi, Ash. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. And alongside him as well, on Twitter, he is Corinthian Collector, which is obviously apt for today's show. But Mike Kennard. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? Good, thanks, man. You? Very well. Um, you've just, just before we started recording, you put your, your video on and showed us where you're recording from. Before I revel in and be very jealous of it, just describe the sort of atmosphere and surroundings that you are currently in. Well, I would call it kind of nostalgic 90s football heaven. My girlfriend would call it a mess. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all, we're all in the same place, right? Yeah, definitely. So you're surrounded, literally, he did a little tour for us by, I don't know, how many Corinthian figures are behind you? A, a rough ballpark guess. Oh, do you know what? I don't even know. I don't even, I've not even attempted to count them, but there's a lot. <laughs> we'll get onto it. We'll get onto your collection. Um, and but I'm no stranger to collecting them as well, Andy. I mean, we're going to get into this. Um, but you're, you're a big Corinthian fan as well. This is how we got talking, right? Yeah, yeah, we uh, we started collecting them, uh, me and my brother, for Euro 96, and it just kind of went on from there, really. Um, very collectible figures. Good stuff. Well, we'll get into the meat of Corinthian figures in just a second, but as your first-time guest, and I'm really pleased, because I haven't done this for a while, we've had far too many regulars. As much as I love you, Joel, Matthew, Sid, everybody else, we love you, but it's always nice to hear some fresh 90s opinions and voices and, and, and memories from you guys. Um I don't need to obviously ask Andy or to, to, to let the listeners know who he supports. I think you can guess from the Twitter handle I already said. Um, and from his accent, because it's a proper Manchester accent as well, which is nice to hear from a, from a fan of that um, in that area. So your favourite... Now, I'm actually, I don't know why I'm asking this. I know what you're going to say, because we've had arguments about... Well, not maybe arguments, discussions about this gentleman, especially from Joel Young. Uh, he called him a two-Bob Janino, but I think your favourite player in the 90s was a bit better than that, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, the Georgian maestro genius that was Georgia King Clancy. <laughs> he really, I mean, everyone's going to think about that goal against Southampton. That's the, the one memory. But yeah. just for someone who watched him probably more than the highlight reel, how good was he and, and what was he good at? He was good at dribbling, keeping the ball, um, 
gliding past players. Um, he didn't score as many goals as he should have done, really. He was kicked up and down dreadfully every week. Um, but th- when he did score goals, there were usually, as well, the song that went and all the goals that Kinky scores are blinding. So, yeah, he, he, he was he was different class. He absolutely tore Newcastle apart at Main Road in 96 in a three-all draw with Newcastle going for the league. And he absolutely destroyed them single-handedly. It took three or four of them to stop him. He was just unplayable on his day. Yeah, no, he really, I'm a big fan of his. I mean, I think he gets compared to Janino because they came into the Premier League yeah. around the same time. They were both a kind of small stature, weren't they? But they had kind yeah. of, yeah. you know... I think because the season Middlesbrough had, it's highlighted more. Although it was terrible, he was brilliant. Whereas City, you kind of bumbled in kind of sort of mid-table, if I remember rightly, before the, the demise towards the end of the decade. Maybe that's why he's seen in more of a light. But yeah, George Kinkled, in I think his time at Derby's looked upon, obviously he was past his best by that point. He was. Yeah, he was. I mean, I think I think um, he, he came a little bit too soon for the Premier League. I think um, if he'd have come now, it'd be, it'd be a completely different story. I think players, he'd be looked after a lot more. He wouldn't get kicked up and down as much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think that it'd be a, if, especially in Pep Guardiola's City team, I think he would be a, even better than he was in 95, to be honest Ooh, with you. There, there's a thought. Georgie Kinkladzi mm-hmm. in a Pep Guardiola team. Whoa. Who, would he, <laughs> who would he displace? Who would you play him instead of? Uh, it's, that's a tough one. But David, <laughs> Sil- David, David Silva's not getting any younger, is yeah. he? So I think he could slot into the midfield there, and with De Bruyne and Sane, I think would have a pretty decent yeah, be tasty. attacking option there. Yeah. yeah. Outside of well, Main Road, obviously, as it was in the nineties. Who would you say is your overall outside of Manchester City player of the favourite player of the nineties? Uh, Gascoigne, Gaza, without a doubt, he was he was my first footballing hero uh, from the World Cup in Italian ninety, obviously. And I got, I just got swept away in, in Gazamania, as it was, as it was known back then. Yeah, I think, I think he comes up a lot. He'd be my answer. I just think, I've, I think I've said it a hundred, hundred times on this podcast. For me, Gaza is, he is the '90s. No matter what he was doing, he was part of it, whether it was bad, good, controversial or not. And like you say, in Italia '90, he kicked it off, and then from then on, it was just his story. And we will do a yeah. Gaza pod at one point, everybody. I know I've said it probably like three seasons now, but I will, we will do a Paul Gascoigne only pod at one point um which brings me on to something that me and you've been chatting on on twitter actually andy um i don't know if you guys remember this in, in and we'll bring mike in in just a second to see if he remembers it as well but gaza obviously you mentioned gazamania everything in the comfort sort of years after talon it was gazamania yeah. a ball game you had a computer game a shell suit he obviously released fog on the tyne um everything was gaza he also had a series on channel four um, which you remember very vividly that we were just speaking about remind us of that memorable program andy Gaza Soccer School, yeah, where the they had the, the run of Wembley Stadium, um, like a load of school kids that he was teaching them how to do the Cruyff turn and uh, keeping the ball and heading and shooting from range, free kicks. It was just, it was, it was quality viewing. It was much better than the Ryan Giggs one that came afterwards. Yeah, no, Giggs he had nothing on that. And I, I, so this is our sort of call out to anybody. Firstly, if anyone's got a kit from this, Andy is desperate. He's a kit man. We'll talk kits later on because. We, you know, we always do one here. But yeah, if anyone was wearing one of those kits from it, we'd love to see that. They would look like a dodgy market knockoff of Italian 90 with some weird Gaza motif on the front. But secondly, if you were in that series, contact us. I'd love to hear from you and, and to hear all about your memories and what it was like. How much did you actually see of Gaza and things like that? So hit us up on Twitter at AK90s. Uh, Mike, do you remember this show? Are you part of the Gaza Soccer School memories? Does that ring a bell with you? Yeah, do you know what? I, I didn't remember, I didn't recall it, but now that you're talking about it, I, I can definitely remember watching it. Um, I mean, I think 
kind of early 90s I was I was still quite young so um Gaza for me was was an interesting one because he like you say it was Gaza mania and I was kind of from watching England I was very much aware of him but um it was kind of yeah, I mean, to, like mid to late nineties, he was kind of away a bit, wasn't he? He was at Lazio and then Rangers, Rangers and yeah. stuff. And so, in terms of actually seeing him, apart from things like that on the TV, it wasn't a lot in terms of his actual football, other than like the England games and stuff. Yeah, now I, I remember I, it, I had the VHS, and I think Andy, you said we were before recording, it actually ran on Channel Four at the time, which sounds like the sort of channel that it'd be on because they were very experimental in certain sort of. They said that'll be the program that'll be all over some sort of Sky Channel now, like yeah. Watch or. Well, something. It's, it's actually impossible to find on YouTube. Yeah, I've had a look. I know of all the things that are on YouTube these days, even my summer with Des, which is one of my favourite things from the nineties. That you want to watch that the entirety on on YouTube. Go ahead and watch it. But yeah, this seems to be missing. So maybe I need to dig out the. Uh, the video and stick it on YouTube myself if I can find it in my parents' garage or something. But yeah, VHS, I need a lot to convert. I've got QPR season videos, I've got goals galore. Don't do goals galore. Galore is a really uh, unused word, actually. Uh, Mike, let's talk to you about your football CV. Now, you, when I asked you who your team was when we were setting this up, you made me laugh because you said Chelsea, but, <laughs> but now Brighton, um, which suggests yeah. to me there was a change in your ethos at some point. But I imagine in the 90s it was still Chelsea. So who was your favourite player at the bridge in the 90s? Initially, it was kind of... I was very into the kind of tenacity of, of why sort of just storming about, like, basically booting everybody. But... Um, Obviously, if you're a Chelsea fan, it's Zola, isn't it? It can't be anybody else. Yeah, I mean, again, he's a very similar player to the ones we were talking about there with King Klaus Absolutely, and Delenia, yeah. A very small stature. I mean, he came... I always remember because he came mid-season, didn't he? Um, he did, in his first yeah. season, but still one player of the year. I mean, again, we saw the highlight reel, but for a Chelsea fan watching him on what basis, and he's still considered getting your greatest team. And you're considering what sort of later teams Chelsea had. He's some player, wasn't he? Just, just his technical ability, and like, I mean, just I, I've watched fairly recently, just like montages of his of his free kicks, even before he came to to Chelsea. I remember reading um, like a little kind of anecdote from him, and they were sort of saying how when he was at Napoli with with Maradona, he would just be kind of studying him, and then they like do little sessions after training, free kick taking and stuff. So I guess that's kind of where it came from with him. It's like um, he obviously had this kind of natural ability anyway and then he's obviously perfected it you know with with one of the you know arguably one of the best players in the world as well so um yeah it was no real surprise that he that he became as good as he as he was yeah he was a great player for the throughout the 90s obviously I remember him at Wembley for for Italy as well it was a heart you know nearly cost us the qualification um and you yeah. forget, forget his cameo in Renford Rejects as well I posted that yeah, yeah I, saw, I saw that the other day actually when you when you put that out on there a few, we'll be talking about Redford rejects on, on, a, on a pod soon so uh, yeah we'll, I'm, sure, I'm sure Zola will get a mention or two um, outside yeah. the bridge then um, who would who would you say your favourite player in the 90s was well I mean I kind of think about I was kind of thinking you know Gaza for everything I mean as I kind of when I really got into football was kind of Euro 96 that was I was sort of following Chelsea a bit before but it was kind of you know when you're at school and it's like oh, who do you support kind of thing so I kind of got into into following football through lots of friends really at yeah. school but it was it was watching that tournament that summer that really got me so that and obviously there was Gaza's goal and you know he he was he was the uh, he was the sort of focal point of that team wasn't he so there was there was obviously that but then later on and it's and it's an interesting one for me personally because at the time I hated him but in in you know looking back now 
for me, it's probably Cantona, I think, if, if mm. you're talking sort of Premier League. Yeah, no, well, they're the two names that, that, that prop up the most and they're the two pictures we have on our Twitter banner because I think yeah. they two, again, they sum up the decade, didn't they? I mean, Cantona yeah. obviously retired towards the end of it, but for that first sort of early 90s and especially during the mid 90s when he was a Man United hero changed yeah. the Premier League he was he was something special for, for neutrals and I th- it's funny actually we recorded a show um, not long ago and uh, Joel mentioned if if you even as a neutral even though Man United were quite hated during the 90s by neutral fans you couldn't just help but love Cantona the collar and everything he was the first yeah. maverick of that decade wasn't he he had some sort of swagger didn't he like the, the kind of attitude that he had and and another thing that that's worth a mention as well, obviously being a Brighton fan now, um, you know, I've seen quotes from him. People sort of said, "What's the highlight of his career?" And uh, there's a quote from him saying that his favourite moment was when he kicked the hooligan. And obviously, that was a Palace fan, and obviously, so he's, he's quite <laughs> he's quite popular with Brighton fans for for that moment. Yeah, that's one of my favourite rivalries. That is the Palace Brighton. It's, it's very odd. odd. So how did the, how did you make? I mean, this is probably not keeping it nineties as we do, but I'm just interested to know what made you what made the change from Chelsea. To Brighton, it was um, well. There was this Russian guy who bought the club, <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, that's happening all the time now, of isn't course, it? But yeah. at the time, it was quite, it was quite a big deal, I think, and it certainly felt like it to me. And then, like the manager went, and there was a big upheaval in the playing staff, and it kind of it felt, it felt a little bit like the soul was ripped out, and the kind of the connection that I felt with the the. the the, the club and and the players and things all kind of it was a big change all at once um and it just kind of it just kind of happened at the same time as I was kind of getting old enough to be going to football on my own and obviously living in Brighton lots of friends of mine were going and it, I kind of started going there and it was it was kind of uh, it was a big kind of that you know we didn't have a ground at the time and there was a lot of interaction with the fans and sort of pushing for campaigning to get a ground so it's very much interactive in that respect. And so I just kind of shifted, really. Yeah, well, it's very interesting. Yeah, very well. Brighton are now doing very well, of course. They're in their own right in the Premier League. So. It's very surreal, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not sure a Russian billionaire is going to quite buy them yet. But you may face that again. You may face, well, that, I mean, uh, <laughs> you may face that again. Before we get into all Corinthian goodness, then, uh, let's speak to today's guest first. Um, he's somebody who's been a Corinthians figure, so we'll ask him about that. He is also one of the best young players to come through in the 90s. Um, I'm slightly biased because not only did he play for QPR, he wrote the forward to my uh, QPR book as well. He is former striker for Queen's Park Rangers, uh, England under-18s. He was part of that Toulon tournament, that talented group of players that won in 1992. Here with his magic hat, speaking to me, is Kevin Gallen. Hello, this is Luis Amor Rodriguez and you are listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast, okay? Now, where is Linda? Joining me on the line now, absolute pleasure, here with his magic hat, former QPR striker, uh, I'm happy to say friend of mine as well, Kevin Gallen, welcome to Alive and Kicking. How are you doing, Kev? Great, Ashley, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Um, we are doing very well, but we, I, I want to ask you before we get into this uh, a slight sad and somber note. You were obviously played with the great Ray Wilkins. He sadly passed away this week. I've heard you speak about him before. I mean, it, it's a, a big loss to football. Such a great man, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, just a great... I mean, first of all, really sad news yesterday. Um, we all heard that he was ill the week before, but... Um, 
yesterday was tragic news because not only was Ray such a great footballer, he was, I think more importantly, he was a really, really nice man, great man. And uh, he was great for me when I was growing up and when I first left school and came to QPR. You know, you, you, you leave school and then a couple of months later you're sort of sharing a changing room on, and a football uh, training pitch or um, area with the great Ray Wilkins, 84 England caps, Man United, AC Milan, PSG and so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, he was such a a nice fellow. Gave, gave me and everyone really, really good advice. He was sort of like a mentor around the place for the younger lads and, and even the older lads. But he was such a, a nice guy. I, I can't really pay enough tributes to him because he was he was he was that good and that special to everyone. And and not just a man and as a, as such a great footballer. I was trying to compare him to somebody today, speaking to someone younger who didn't see him play. And the only player, and this is great credit to both that we're going to mention, is someone like Iniesta. That's the sort of player Ray was, wasn't he? Yeah, Ray was like technically. I mean, people say he was the best player you played with, and you know, I was fortunate enough to play with some really, really special players, and um, and, and that sort of at, at QPR, but also when I was a. Uh, England under 18s and under 21s and stuff like, like I'm talking like Paul Scholes, Robbie Fowler and players like that. But Ray Wilkins, day in day out, was just a class act on the pitch. His uh, his passing of left foot, right foot was just so accurate. He never gave the ball away. Um, yeah, he was great touch. His train, his um, his preparation for training. He trained his socks off every day, and it was sort of you know he used to give me some advice. I remember. One of the main advices he said to me, Kevin, one day we were playing an eight-a-side. I was only a, uh, a youth team player. He said, Kevin, what's wrong with you? And I said, what? He said, Kevin, just run about a bit more. So second half of that game, I ran about a bit more. I scored a few goals and I was a lot. I played a lot better than in the first half. And he just said, came up to me and said, see, the, the, the harder you work, the sort of the luckier you get, and things happen. Uh, and things will happen on the pitch for you. And so I always took that advice and people talk about coaching and this that, and the other, but, you know, sometimes the simple advice is the best and basically said to me, work a bit harder. So I try and pass that on to uh, my little boy as well and to other kids that, look, if you want to be a football player, if you work as hard, harder than anyone else, you've got a better chance. Mm-hmm. Very sad news and, and the thoughts go out yeah. to, to, to Ray and his family. Um, let's let's get, take you back to the 90s and, and your own career. I mean, you mentioned the, the tournament there, the, the under-18s. That's where you first came to fruition for, for most. That's such a talented team. You mentioned Skulls and there, Robbie Fowler. David Beckham couldn't even get in that squad. What are your memories of that successful tournament and that team? Yeah, I mean, that was that was a great time. It was 1993. Someone put up a clip of it, um, of us beating um, a Holland 4-1 mm-hmm. um, on Facebook the other day, and it was a great sort of memory to look uh, to look back. And I showed my my kids, and they were they were actually quite impressed. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but uh, we played. Uh, I mean, they had Seedorf playing and from Brockhorse and um, Cliver. Um, but we that day we we steamrolled them four one. But I can remember the start of the tournament. Um, uh, about a month before that, we went to Denmark and Norway uh, for like a a pre-season sort of a few practice games and not everyone was at that um, at that um, little uh, tournament we played a couple of months before but we got back and uh, the, uh, we were training at Lillishaw probably for a week before that preparing and it was great times and then the, the, the team got announced for the first game against France and 
I was on the bench and I was disappointed and Robbie Fowler was sitting next to me. He was disappointed. But with 20 minutes to go, it was nil-nil. He put me and Robbie on and within five minutes I scored and then five minutes later, I think Robbie scored and we ended up winning 2-0. Mm-hmm. And now for the next game, we we were, we kept our, our places. So the excitement was building and we played uh, Holland and we won 4-1. I scored one, Robbie scored one and Julian Jochum scored two. And we actually pulverised the Dutch that day. And then we went a few days later, played Spain. I think we beat them 4-0 4-1. Robbie scored a hat-trick. I can't remember who else scored. And we ended up in the final. And there was a lot of momentum in the press uh, talking about it. And we played at the city ground, not in the forest, in the final against Turkey. And, um, yeah, it was a full house. And, you know, I was 17 at the time. And... You know, to play in a full house. I'd never played in a premiership match at this stage. So to play in a full house, you know, at Nottingham Forest was just, you know, a great experience. And we ended up winning 1-0. I think Darren Caskey scored the penalty to win it. And, you know, we were European champ- under-18 champions. So I could always look back on very fond memories and playing with some really good football players, Sol Campbell, Gary Neville, uh, Paul Scholes, Nicky Butt. You know, David Beckham, like you said, couldn't get in the squad uh, at that stage. So, you know, we, we had a really talented team and, uh, and most of the players went on to have uh, good careers in football. Mm. And you as yourself, um, you started your hometown club, QPR. Um, I remember the, the, the debut, 94-95, at Old Trafford of all places. I mean, you'd break records at youth level, Jimmy Graves' famous youth level. But how much of a you know big move, a big step for you was it that debut at, of all places, Old Trafford? Well, yeah... Um, that was amazing. I mean, I remember I was sharing it when I was in Manchester. I had a pretty good pre-season. It was the first game of the season, 1994. And I was sharing a room with Bradley Allen. And I didn't know I was going to play. I, had a, I thought I had a chance of playing. And Bradley Allen said to me, you know, you, you, you're going to play tomorrow, Kevin. And I'm like thinking, do you think so? But I didn't really know. I, I had an inkling that I had a chance. And then when uh, Jerry named the team, Jerry France, who was the manager at the time, you know, I suppose an hour and a half before before kickoff, he named the team and I was in, and you know the buzz. You know I can't really remember much of, the day, of that day because it sort of flies by so quick. But I just remember the buzz of the stadium, full house, Old Trafford. I started the game really well. I had a goal disallowed, um, which I always rem- uh, remind reminded in the next nearly twenty years of my career down at Gallagher. Um, disallowed my goal at Old Trafford mm-hmm. on my debut, so. You know, I bumped into him maybe two or three times a season when he was refing, and I always used to say, "All right, Dermot, remember when he disallowed my goal at Old Trafford, mate?" And he says, "When are you going to let it go, Kevin?" And I said, "Well, never. It's not. That's never going to happen." But me and Dermot get on all right because he was uh, he was my referee at my testimonial in uh, in two thousand and five, I think it was. Yeah, so we get on all right. But I seen him a couple of years ago, and I, I did mention it. He said, "I don't want to hear it anymore, Kev." <laughs> well, I think it was a yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. What was it like playing with Les? Because obviously it was like kind of a tutelage for you, wasn't he? He's one of the top strikers in the country at that point. Somebody I think people don't realise how good he was. What was it like to play with Les at the time? Yeah, I mean, Les was a phenomenal striker for QPR, but also for Newcastle and all the other teams. He had so much strength and speed and power and with a rocket of a right foot. So, yeah, it was great to play up front with him. It was a good education. He would take maybe... Um, a little bit of um, the batterings maybe from the other centre-half. Uh, centre so you were probably more worried about him, and which 
gave me a little bit maybe more space uh, to come and play a little bit and link up well he was run over the top with his speed so it was a great partnership and I think he scored over 20 that uh, that that season I scored 12 or 13 in my debut season in the Premier League so you know it was a great it was a great partnership and unfortunately at the end of that season Les joined Newcastle which you know maybe another season would have been even better for me as well learning and uh, of such a top player and, and a top man and used to give me great advice and uh, it was a pleasure to play um, with Les as well. Mm, you, may, you say yeah, you went to Newcastle that following season but you know Ray Wilkins at the time was the manager then he, he, got, he took faith in you and, and Danny Dicchio as well came through. Did you feel the pressure then of was it too big a gap to fill for you two at that time in your career, maybe? Well, I think so. I think I was 19 and, and Danny Dicchio was 20. And uh, I'd played pretty much the season before. Danny was sort of uh, played the odd game and was sub and sort of came in. And Ray uh, brought in Mark Haightley. And, and I was really excited about that signing because, you know, you'd be watching... Um, the old third game, old firm games between Celtic and Rangers, and he would be scoring some amazing goals and looked looked really good. But unfortunately, uh, Mark came down with an ankle injury; he wasn't fit for a while, and he just couldn't regain what he was what he had up up north. So it just that that didn't really work out for QPR. But I scored over ten. I think Daniele scored twelve that season, and we really just meet, misses, missed Leslie twenty, which he was guaranteed to give the QPR every uh, season. And I think that 10 goals, that 10 goals would have kept us up. So but I always say this, it wasn't just Leslie, even Clive Wilson left as well, yeah. who was a great left back for us, but also Ray Wilkins was coming to the end of his career. And so we, we pretty much lost three of, three of the best players at QPR at the time. So, and, and we didn't really replace those three players with, with any, with anything better. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, it wasn't just Les, but Ray sort of retiring and Clive Wilson. They were major, um, major misses for the for the club that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, QBL went down sadly. I mean, I've always had sniffs that, that clubs were in for you at the time. In, in May United, we've mentioned. Did you ever hear anything of, of of leaving Rangers when they went down, or were you determined to stay and, and try and get them back up? Well, no. I mean, I, I, QPR was I supported QPR and I was never thinking of that movement but there was always a lot of rumours and uh, I didn't have an agent at the time so uh, in these days uh, that wouldn't have been heard of a, a team a 19-20 year old who scored 20 goals and uh, over 20 goals in the Premier, Premier League in two seasons and not even 20 and get relegated have an agent but I was happy at QPR and I thought um, let's get QPR my, my, my thing was my thought, my thought process was, well, we got relegated. I was part of that. Let's bring QPR back up. And the following season, it started off really great for me. I scored three goals in two games, and I ended up seriously uh, injured, and I didn't play again properly, you know, on and off for about sixteen, seventeen months. So, mm. you know, these things happen. I don't, know, you know, what can I say? And then I got injured, and then Ray left as manager about two weeks later. Mm. Yeah, it was it kind of the end of the nineties was kind of it stop start for you, wasn't it? Then with, with the injuries and, and QPR sort of form and stuff. But but looking back on those early days, you mentioned Ray and Les. But who was the best players you played against in the nineties and in that Premier League era? Well, I'd say I look back. Uh, Eric Cantona was a phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you looking at the Man United players: Eric Cantona, Paul Lynch, Roy Keane, Arsenal wise: Dennis Bergkamp, Tony Adams, 
obviously sent a rough, tough. Colin Hensley was tough to play against. So those sort of players were, you know, really top-level mm. players. Kanchelskis, remember, in the 90s, he was flying. So uh, those sort of players, Mark Hughes, Man United had the team that 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 sort of year, and Blackburn. I'm sorry, and I forgot one of the main main players, and who was sort of someone I looked up to as well after Les was Alan Shearer. He was absolutely phenomenal, wasn't he, Alan Shearer in the in the mid nineties. Definitely. Well, yeah, it's good to look back on then. Um, um, Kev, what are you up to now? Because I last time heard you at Brighton. Are you, are you still helping out down there, or have you moved on? Yes. So you know, I'm a scout at Brighton. Uh, I go and watch uh, pretty much. I watch a lot of games for them and do reports on players. So, you know, I really hope uh, Brighton can stay up this year uh, because they're a very good club, very well supported and very well run and with an excellent manager. So, fingers crossed. I think think we'll do it. I hope so. But it's a very good club. I don't like hearing Gavin Gallen saying we about another club, so I'm going to leave it there. (laughs) Well, you know... uh, I still support QPR. I still go down to QPR as often as I can. I yeah. was there on Monday. I've probably been to about 15, 15 home. I bring nearly nearly every home game for QPR. So I bring my little boy. He loves it. So I really, you know, the real wing is QPR, but I'm just talking about the club I work with. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, maybe there's another gallon in the, the generation for QPR one day then. So, brilliant. Well, uh, before we go, Kev, we, we couldn't not ask you this. We're doing a special episode this week on the Corinthian figures of the era. Um, of course, you were one of them. Only four QPR players ever made. Uh, so the question is, what was it like to be a Corinthian figure? And do you still own one? <laughs> what was it like? Uh, well, I do have one. Um, uh I did get a few of them. I think my mum bought a pack of them um, when I was younger, so she gave them out to all the relations. I still got one. What do I think of them? They weren't very flattering, and mine <laughs> didn't really uh, mine really didn't look much like me. But hey, I've got a figure, a little uh, Corinthian figure of myself. So ain't so ain't too bad. Yeah. I'll take did, that. Did they not ask you about likenesses or anything like that, or did they just come out and you were like, oh, that's me? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't. I just, uh, just arrived in the shop and that was it. Yeah, no, no consultation, no uh, advice, nothing. Just there you go. This is it. Oh, well, I've still got mine as well, and I'm sure a lot of QPR fans have. So it's been great to speak to you, Kev. Um, we'll, we'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, Ash. Cheers, All mate. This is Gary Stevens, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the '90s football podcast. Remember, keep it '90s. Well, that's talk why I've got you guys on, um, mainly because we've been talking back and forth on Twitter throughout knowing you guys, and, and you've said some great th- things about the show. Thank you very much for, for being fans of it and listening. But we've talked a lot between the three of us individually and as a group about Corinthian figures. Now, um, for long-term listeners, you may remember we did a show very, very early on. We're talking sort of one of the first sort of five shows we did, um, called Toys and Games, where we kind of run through a lot of the toys and the games from the 90s. Um, just briefly on some of them, touched on them. There was a lot to get through. Um, I'm going back on a few of these now and I'm sort of delving deeper into certainly things that had a big impact in the 1990s and I think for sure when we're talking 
sort of at least action figures if you want to call them that or or ornaments or any sort of toys corinthians really sums up the decade i know it went into the 2000s and of course they're now you can see them on your shelves under the guise of soccer stars um which i deal with on a daily basis at, at kids football magazine so i know they've gone on but they in their infancy it was a 1990s thing um so that is kind of what the meat of today's show is going to be about, just talking about our uh, sort of memories of it, our favourite figures and stuff. Um, I'll give you some background in just a second, but before we speak about Corinthians, I know I think I've least spoke to Mike about this, but there were a, you know a couple of well, certainly one big figure line preceding Corinthians. Uh, Mike, coming to you first, we briefly talked about this. They're called sports stars. I don't know if you guys remember this. We may do a pod on these further, but these were more, they're movable kind of figures. I've got a few sitting on my, on my shelf right next to me, the likeness of which are absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> I think I mentioned that before, some of them. I think the, I think it's the Tony Cotty or, no, the David Platt Aston Villa one. It doesn't look like anything like, I think it looks like Paul Gascoigne. And we'll talk about Paul Gascoigne <laughs> figures in a bit. But yeah, I mean, Mike, you, you, you found some of these yourself, didn't you? You were, you mentioned you came late in the decades. How did you come across Sports Stars? Is that kind of a later discovery? Yeah, no, it was literally. Um, I just I saw that you you tweeted about them, um, and I I mean I've I've never collected them. I, I remember seeing them in shops as a kid and things, but I never had any. Um, and I just came across some. Um, someone was selling a little lot of, of figures, um, one of which was like a particularly rare. Um, Everton figure which is the the Graham Stewart figure which was only available in a certain if you bought a certain format like a four pack okay um, yeah and it's really difficult to find it now um, and they just put like football figures and listed it online and um, obviously didn't really realize what they had and that it just came with a bunch of those so I just have some of those um, here but they're, uh, they're, they're yeah they're just here I'm not really I'm just sort of got them mm. by chance so if I'll, I'll let you know which ones I've got if you want them I'll I'll get them over to you. Oh, that sounds nice. Andy, do you remember these sports... I mean, I'm looking at the picture that you sent me on Twitter where you're decked in... It's like a 90s heaven where you've got an <laughs> Italian 90 kit. You're holding the Gaza board game. Um, the ball at your feet is amazing because I was looking for a picture of this um, a, a few weeks ago because it was the first football I ever remember getting. It was, the, it was a black <laughs> football. I think yours is a Paul Gascoigne one, but I had a Brian... No, so the one I've got is a Peter Beardsley one. Oh, it's a Peter Beardsley one. I had it's the Peter Brian Beardsley and it's like, a, it's like a deep purple colour. I, know, mine was I think black. it was. I think it was Sandico. I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I think it was might have been made by Sandico, but it's Peter Bearsley's signature ball. Yeah. Yeah. I had. Yeah. I had the Brian Robson one. Really weird line um, of footballs, but it's impossible to find any pictures of them. I couldn't find them on eBay either because I just wanted yeah. to, just to make sure they existed in my head. But having seen yours, I feel a little bit better. Do you remember <laughs> Sports Stars figures as well? Was that something in the Tasker yeah. household? Yeah. 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 I remember them. Um, I remember getting quite a few of them at, at like a, a jumble sale at school like in junior school when people just clearing out you know unwanted stuff I remember I remember buying this is like going back to like 1990 Steve Bruce uh, Jim Layton yeah the goalkeeper think, in full think, pose yeah 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 I think I had uh, I think I had Brian Robson in England in an England kit I think I had Lineker but the likeness on him, I couldn't. You couldn't tell who they were. They could have been anybody. Mm. Um, I think the only but, only good ones. I think the Lineker's not bad. The Rudhullet, because uh, there was a European range yeah. as well. The Rudhullet yeah. one is obviously recognisable because of his hair and his and his moustache. But yeah, other than that, they were pretty bad. I think the Nigel Spink one was all right. Oh yeah, yeah. One. yeah. I think that one was not too bad. But um, yeah, we only got a few, um, and then they kind of faded. They kind of faded away from places like Four Boys and. And all them little toy shops that used used to get in the little shopping centres. Beaties, but we never, that's always one. Yeah, Beaties, yeah, yeah. 
Um, we never saw them really after that. Mm. The Zodiacs as well. I don't know if that was a chain, but that was my local one in my uh, high street when I was a kid. When I used to live in Plumstead and in Woolwich, that was be for those local people. That used to, used to be the best toy shop in the world. I'm sure it wasn't. It was just a local one, but yeah, that was the one we used to go to. Um, let's move on then from sports stars. Maybe we'll, we'll delve deeper into that in, on another show because just to talk about the lightness, you could be there all day. I lost my Galenica one actually. I remember it was in the bottom of my sister's pram and she lost it. <laughs> Damn her. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's talk Corinthians. I've got you guys on. A little background on this. Um, I actually spoke to uh, Barry Hughes, who was manager director at Corinthians uh, back in the day, now still in the industry, working for Golden Bear Toys, whatever they do. I'm not even sure. Should have done more research on that one. Um, I just cared about Corinthians, obviously. Because um, he, he, I, I was interested in how they came about, how they launched, blah, blah, blah. Because I remember they did a launch with David Seaman when they first came out and he was signing them and stuff. I remember seeing pictures of that at the time. Mm. Um, but they actually came about, and this is a really random story, and it's, he's kind of told me in text speak, so I, I had to kind of get the gist of reading between the lines. But I think the company that made Corinthians, that became just Corinthians PLC, had a deal with China for a toy range. Now, bear with me, because it's a bit convoluted. Um, <laughs> that they had to, uh, to put out a line of toys in the UK. They couldn't decide what to do, and they were worried about certain quotas and certain duty rates on these quotas. Um, so they decided on figures because they realised that if they are humans, if they were making human toys of human people, regardless of what their industry they were in, there would be no charge. I don't know why he didn't explain, but the story apparently, according to Barry, goes they were going to do a Star Trek range at the time. So a Star Trek range of figures. I don't know if they were going to look the same as the uh, as the moulds of the Corinthians with the big heads and stuff, um, but that was the plan. But the customs said that as Spock, and this is a quote from him, was non-human or half-human the fee would still apply which is one of the most wow. ridiculous things I've ever heard <laughs> he's a frigging actor he's not actually <laughs> half human I'm not even a Star Trek fan but I'm pretty sure Leonard Nimoy wasn't half alien or half Klingon or whatever it is in that show but quite hilarious because that little sort of conundrum led them to the idea of football figures um, they couldn't do normal sized figures like I imagine maybe the sports stars or even the, the later yeah. Hasbro ones that were in later in the decade, the bigger ones um, that maybe we'll talk about later as well. Um, so they decided on these big heads again for some size and duty and pay rates. Um, the timing happens to be perfect with Euro '96 around the corner, and that's how Corinthians and they became a PLC company of their own came about. Which I thought was a very bizarre story, but quite nice to lead in uh, to. Corinthians and as you both guys already said Euro 96 was kind of the launch um, my first memory of them uh, we'll talk about you guys in a second I believe they came f- the first one I ever got was Paul Ince um, in an England kit and it came free with Soccer Stars magazine I don't know if you guys remember Soccer Stars but it was kind of a spin off of Shoot um, kind of a monthly version not too dissimilar to the magazine I work on now um, mm. and it, obviously it was like a promo to what was to come it had pictures of all these figures and as somebody who was into football obviously and secondly figures and still am as my wife will detest about it as well as as mike was saying earlier this was like the best thing ever you know you had sports stars and now we had these kind of cartoony looking big heads little bodies of of england players and they came in that first range andy let's come to you first what are your first memories how did you discover corinthian figures well it was actually um my dad saw them he used to get the papers on a sunday morning from the paper shop down the road and he came back one day one morning and he said Oh, they've got um, figures of um, Uwe Rosler and Peter Beagre and Gary <laughs> Flitcroft and Keith Curl. And I was like, what? Right, let's get down there. So I went down on my bike with all that pockets full of shrapnel change and 
and I bought whatever they had, and that was it really. They only did four city ones in '95, '96, and that was all that there ever was because we, you know, being in Manchester at the time, city wasn't a fashionable choice, so we didn't get much merchandise. So whatever we got, I had to get, and that was what really kicked it all off for the Corinthian figures. Mm. You're, you're on the same boat as me. QPR only ever had four figures mm. as well. Yeah. Well, four figures at the time. We had Gary Penrice, Alan McDonald, Kevin Gallen and Andy Impey, which are all sitting next to me. I've also got a Les Ferdinand custom one. I'm not into the custom things because um, I think that's cheating, but I couldn't resist that Les Ferdinand one. Yeah, um, yeah. Mike, you are you and your Corinthian heaven, where did you first come across them, though? Obviously, I'm guessing around your 96, as you said, but do you remember the moment that Corinthians came into your life? Yeah, it was... Um... I didn't get any of the kind of the promo ones with the magazines or anything like that. I uh, I came about them, um, a friend of mine, I went back to his house after school and uh, we used to just sort of play football out on this little green and um, I went back in and had some, some dinner with him. We went up to his room and he just had this, this little, uh, like a 12-player green stand and he had the whole Chelsea team on there and I just, I saw it and I was just sort of like, wow. What what is this? Where's that? Where's this come from? Um, so I had kind of like this. In, it's like love at first sight, basically. <laughs> it is. It really. Is. I think it's hard for. So I've got friends who remember them and go, yeah, and sort of chuck them away. But for people like, I can, I'll, I'll use the word geek. Don't care. I'm fully happy to. Happy to be leading the geek army on this because yeah. it is a, a matter of oh my god. And I remember seeing these and, and wanting to collect them all. I mean. Just seeing what we saw, as I mentioned earlier, your, I imagine is it a shed or a garage or an office you've got there? That it's like a little studio space. Makes me very jealous because I've got an office of my own and I've kind of limited myself because it's in the house still. I actually am in the process of moving where I've got an outbuilding and old oh boy, is that getting decorated with figures and kits. <laughs> the Hasbro wrestling figures from the 90s are coming out and everything. It's all happening in the next office. Believe me, I'll send pictures when it's done. But it is a kind of almost love at first sight feeling. It's, it's funny to say because you just need to have them. Um, yeah, it's weird. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it was. Yeah, it is, it is strange because they're not poseable. You can't do anything no, with them. No, you can't even play look, football with them. Like, like no. a game like Tommy Supercut football or Sabutio or even things like that. They are literally an ornament. But no, just... we, we, me and my brother did play a game with them. We created a game with them. <laughs> oh, tell us more. This sounds good. Tell we, us more, um, Mike. I, I'm, I, I made like. Um, I mean, there is actually a game I found later on, like more recently. They, they did actually sell a game. Kind of like, uh, like with a little rollout pitch and everything. Oh, uh, yeah. I think, was that with the micro? I think I've stars? seen that. No, no, that was with the full, the really? full size. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I, I only found that recently. I didn't know. And, and basically, I made a pitch on our on our bedroom floor with masking tape, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, we we sort of picked our favourite players of the bunch that we had. And then we would we would assign them. Remember the pro match cards? Of that course. Had the big heads? Yeah, of course. And we would assign each player a card, and uh, that would be their kind of ratings. And we would we'd play this game where you could move. I'd have like this little ruler, so you could move that far, and then pass or shoot or something, or you could you could run and you could go double the distance, but then you wouldn't be able to to do anything at the end of your turn, and then potentially someone could come and tackle you. You know what you invented there? I don't know if you're aware of match attacks cards, which are now the, the, the current school ground craze, but that is essentially what that game is. 
You've, right, okay. you invented match attacks without even knowing, which is a collectible card, but there's a game within it that does that kind of thing. So right, like okay. Top Trumps meets real football type thing, and it's like the kids go mental. It's the equivalent of Premier League stickers in our day, and to a certain yeah. extent, Corinthians, but more the stickers. But yeah, I'd sound, yeah, I'm, I'm up for a game. That's all meet up and do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bring the masking bring tape. Bring the masking yeah. tape with the ruler. <laughs> <laughs> so the first series of uh, the, well, they were called Pro Stars, of course, that was the first original name, the headliners. Um, for England, the first, this is the very first series. Um, so I'll just run, I'll just kind of quickly run through who was in. So it's the England squad heading. He's come out at the back end of 1995. So it was what at the time the guys who invented this um, these figures, obviously via Spock from Star Trek, they thought this was going to be the the squad going forward. I suppose, and they got most of them right. I mean, the first series: yeah. David Platt, Andy Cole, Peter Beardsley, who didn't make Euro '96, Shearer, Ian Wright didn't but could have. Sheringham in mm. Letitia again didn't but could have. Pallister maybe was a gamble. Tony Adams, Les Ferdinand, Seaman, Barnby, Anderton, Warren Barton, Stuart Pearce, and then there was a couple of them who did the away kit, which is the David Seaman in that beautiful refreshers kit and the Alan Shearer in the horrible grey one. Um, and then it was the <laughs> in season it's, two. It's they, indigo, Ash. That it's, yeah, the, the name for that is indigo. There are very few kits, Andy, that I don't particularly like in the nineties, but that is one of them. And maybe it's I, lo- I love that shirt. <laughs> maybe it's but they, they wore it in that game, didn't they? Was the, that was the game they wore it in? Was the penalty with Germany? Yeah, and the, I think I remember them wearing it against Mold. I think David Beckham made his debut in it against Moldova. I might be wrong. They wore it against Bulgaria. Yeah. At, um, at Wembley, they wore it away at Georgia. In maybe the it was qualifier. Georgia. Yeah, maybe it was Georgia. They wore it more than my favourite England kit, which is the ninety-two third one with the three lions on it. You don't really see them as much as you as you saw that uh, indigo kit. Um, the only the only wore that once against Spain, the first team. Yeah, in there. Yes, in David 92. White. David White made his debut. Yeah, um, and yeah, then I've got that. I've got that yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's an amazing kit. It's a great. If they did a rehash of that, I think all my dreams would come true. Um, <laughs> we'll talk more kits later, though, Andy. I know. I know. We'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, and just the second, the kind of second part to that series, which I now think you can buy as a big old pack again, just going towards the early '96. Terry Venables, which is still one of the best figures they've ever done. I can, I'm literally looking at him right now. It's a great figure, great likeness. Steve Howey, again, gamble. But I think he, it was in the Euro '96 squad. Uh, Ruddock, Tim Flowers, the Robbie Fowler one's questionable. Ian Walker, <laughs> Rob Jones, Steve Stone, John Salarco, very random that kick. Paul Gascoigne. I'm going to come back to that. Uh, Barry Venison, Graham, the Barry Venison figure is absolutely amazing. If you buy one Corinthian <laughs> figure, the hair <laughs> is fantastic. Uh, Graham so David Unsworth, John Scowls with brown hair, random. Jamie Redknapp, John Barnes, Batty Wise, James Lee, McManaman, Tim Sherwood again, great hair, and Gary Neville. Um, I asked you guys before coming on, um, and I think Mike was going to struggle with this, so I gave him a top five as well. Your favourite figures. We'll get to that in a minute, but we were talking sort of earlier last week, we were trying to set this up about some of the worst ones. And I mentioned Gascoigne there, and you both said this instantly. Um, I think, Andy, you said it first, but that is probably one of the worst ones they ever did. That, that first Paul Gascoigne figure doesn't really look like him, and he's got black hair. Do you remember yeah, this? It's, yeah, it's terrible. He doesn't look anything like him. It's, it's uh, terrible. I mean, they got their likenesses. I think you could say Corinthian sort of eight out of ten times. They were pretty good on their likenesses. But as I think, Mike, you said this. I think Gaz had dyed his hair black for like a week, if I remember yeah. rightly. Um, and they and this figure came out of it. It was just not a very good figure, was it? It was. Uh, it was. Yeah. It was just bad. I mean, like you say, eight out of ten, they were great. And it, it, they're one of those things where they were either they were either really good or they were like, what is this? I mean, the, the Dennis Wise one you mentioned as well is. His hair looks like um, it's kind of Play-Doh, like melting down his head. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look like hair. Yeah, he looks a bit confused as well, bless yeah, him. I mean, yeah, yeah. 
and I mean, some of them, some of them, they got spot on. Like Seaman was spot on. Yeah. Um, David Platt was pretty much spot on. Um, Shearer was really good. But then you had some others like that almost too uh, caricature, too cartoony. Yeah. And I think Gaza was was trying to make him look more like a, a like a cartoon of himself rather than the actual a, a proper decent face sculpt of him. Yeah, I mean, as I said on to you guys on Twitter, I think they got they struggled with Gazza a bit throughout because the '98 one isn't brilliant as well. But they did. I don't know if the Lazio one came later. Mike, you might know is uh, when they when, later years. We'll talk about maybe in just a second when they did those special ones like the World Player of the Year ones and the Heartback ones. I think the Gazza Lazio one was slightly later when they had better moulds and they got more used to mm. it. Um, but I've got that one sitting on the shelf, and they also did one with the mask on, which I think is quite rare. Um, I bet you've got that one, haven't you, Mike? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you and love you all at the same time. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Well, that, let's go for favourite figures then. Uh, Mike, you said you'd struggle. Did you come with the top five or did you manage to narrow it down? What sort of favourite figures over the years do you, do you look upon? Um, well, it would depend if you meant which ones I thought were the best or which ones were my favourite. Because, I mean, the, the like you said, mentioned earlier, the Rude Hullet um, figure was, was kind of... It was the first one I wanted um, with the, you know, the dreads. It was very sort yeah. of distinctive. And... Uh, I remember going to I was Woolworths we went to and they didn't have it I guess because he was quite popular I ended up bringing home a Mark Steen because that was, that was the only Chelsea player they had there um, he was but, quite good yeah, like this if I remember rightly though it was good it was really good yeah yeah I mean like, yeah it was it was a good one but yeah it's tricky it's tricky to to, to, to do a top five I mean um, Lalas is one we've mentioned before in that in that USA kit. Well, you've touched me um, in my special spot there, haven't you? So yeah, <laughs> we're going to go in with that one. Um, yeah, that that's definitely up there. I mean, he's just the the the, the little guy, you know, the, the little red beard, the big red hair, and the kit. And what it, kit was yeah, that, the, Mike? What kit was that? Oh, it was um, it's, it's a weird one. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's the denim. How dare bit, you call uh, it USA weird. World Cup <laughs> kit, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, that's the greatest. That's that I'm looking at him now. That is a great, great because I mean it's hard not to get that brilliantly because Alexi is such a character as he admitted in our yeah. fiftieth episode, and I'm happy to say friend of the show, Alexi Lalas, who was on our fiftieth episode and did a great job of it. But yeah, that is that is a great figure, Andy. For you, I mean, is there any figures that stick out for you? Yeah, I thought the Uwe Rosler one was good for City. I thought they did a quite a good job of that one with his like East German mullet. I think that was, that was <laughs> yeah. quite decent. Um, I like the David Seaman in the uh, semi-final against Germany kit. The that was pretty special. They got that spot on, and uh, the Ronaldo one in the Inter Milan kit, the one oh, that came right one, at the yeah. end. Yeah, that was a good one. We had to send off special for that one. <laughs> Well, well, they, I mean, fan club, yeah. yeah, I mean, these things, I mean, they did really, they struck, I mean, I was talking to Barry again, for, who used to work at Corinthians, and he said they really struggled at first because the plan was to release te- uh, full squads for every team, but they found mm. out that people just went and bought their favourite players rather than buying their favourite teams, and people in Newcastle weren't going to buy a Arsenal player or a, you know, Everton player, and people in London weren't going to buy Warren Barton or Rob Lee, whoever is in a Newcastle, so they kind of changed tact and went from doing teams very quickly to doing just international, and then kind of just the odd player as part of fan clubs and things like that before they went crazy in the sort of next decade and, and did yeah. a lot of hark back figures, which I think that, you know, me, we've talked about before on here, whether they did like Gary Lineker ones from the eighties and they did some right way back to the seventies and really went into their own in the next decade. Um, but I remember being part of the fan club as well. We used to get those, the newsletter of all the new figures. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That used to and be the like, catalog. Oh, it was torture. Players. It was torture if you couldn't buy them all. <laughs> it was. Well, we went, we went to London in, a, I think it was 96, 
six. Um, I had a weekend in London and we went to a shop in Covent Garden. I think it was called like soccer sports scene or soccer scene or it was just this random sports shop in Covent Garden and it was just a wall full of Corinthians from everywhere. Like I got I remember buying Giuseppe Signori from Lazio. It was just a random figure, but it was so we'd never seen anything like that up north <laughs> because we didn't have there wasn't the demand for like the exotic, the, yeah. you know, the, uh, the the continent. And I remember buying Ian Walker in the Tottenham um, <laughs> lime green goalie kit oh. as well. That was that was a really good figure. <laughs> that you do get, you end up with these random ones. When I was going through them, I found that I had like Jan Mulby for Liverpool, and uh, I think I had a Neil Ruddock for Southampton one. And it's like, why did I buy these? But I think you're right. You just go in, and you're just drawn to these certain figures just to get them. I mean. Um, the, the few that I've got look, there's completely nothing compared to Mike's Haven on, on my shelf you know I've got Steve Stone and Brian Roy and Janini I kind of over the years have got the players that I really used to love of that decade um, I would love to go back and do what Mike how much do you roughly know how much you must, you've spent if in, on those figures over the years uh, well, my my girlfriend might listen to this. Uh, no, I, I, you know what? I, I, I don't. My brother asked me recently, and and I don't know. Um, but it's kind of intentional that I don't know. I don't. Yeah, want that's to a know good plan. Me. That's what I do as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but that, I mean, it's easy to. It's a. If you go on eBay, it's a rabbit hole that you could be on for hours looking at you know past figures and collections and sets and stuff. I know the the Man mm. United set from the you know sort of first early days. Because um, they did, obviously, they were the popular team, so they they did a full set of them. That that's worth a lot of money. And then, I mean, I, I don't know, I, Andy, you were telling me on Twitter about you and your brother arguing about the the World Cup ones in in nineteen ninety eight. There's some great ones in there. The Frank LeBuff one is one I remember quite. quite yeah, that's a decent one. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. I thought I thought they did a, quite a good job of the England team. Actually, I think the like you said, the Gascoigne one was quite a lot better for that one actually but I, I, I kind of remember um, them giving some away with PG tips or tennis yes they did they did yes. do that yeah. I was just about to but say it was, that there, yeah. there were smaller figures and they didn't have the ball at the feet yeah, I always remember right getting Colin, because my, my nan, bless her heart, obviously saw they had football on it, so immediately thought I have to buy these for my grandson. But <laughs> I, I remember going around there and having three Colin Hendrys, which at the yeah. time, you know, Colin Hendry, I didn't want one, let alone three, to be honest, but bless her cotton socks. But yeah, you mentioned the 98 squad. I think the likenesses are, are begin to get much better then. Um, some of them are the same. I think Pallister is literally the same figure in a different kit. Um, but the, the So one's better. The Glenn Hoddle yeah. figure, again, is a great figure. They really Super do well the managers. Yeah. Um, not so much on Southgate. That's not a great figure. Just looking, go. Andy Hinchcliffe was part of that set. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah, they did. I, I was funny. You mentioned the PG tips because I was I was going to mention that. And then of course, as I, as we see, as I saw earlier in, in your uh, your little studio there, Mike, the big extra large ones came in 1998 as well. They really started to cash in. Um, and the, yeah. the, the XL figures. And you've got quite a few of those. I see. I mean, are you more fond of them, or is it just all give me Corinthians? Yeah, I'm not more fond of them. It's um, it's like a, a weird thing I have where if I've got so many of something, and then I can see there's only there's only X amount more, and then I'll have all of them. I've got that, and it's weird because I'm not like that in any other aspect of my life. I'm quite kind of minimalist, but I just have these football figures. It's really strange. No, I'm the, yeah. I mean, I'm I always think thank the Lord that I mean anyone who likes their tattoos if, if that's your thing great but I get really obsessed with little things like this and I think if I was into my tattoos I'd have some of the most ridiculous tattoos in my body because I'd have Corinthian yeah. figures I'd have probably Alexi Lala's face somewhere yeah. you know yeah. the American kit from 94 would probably be tattooed all over me that's the kind of because I get quite obsessive with this so I completely appreciate um, that what you know the point you're going with then um, 
I'll, I'll ask you this question when I emailed over you both. Of you. I mean, is there any kind of? I mean, you've collected obviously. We've seen your. I've seen your collection, Mike. Is there any kind of weird stories or anything about your collection that's quite quirky that you found over the years? Um, don't know really. Nothing. Nothing that's that's particularly weird. Just um, there's certain figures that have been sort of more difficult to get hold of. I mean, there's even some that I'm still kind of looking for. I mean, it was only last week I managed to get. They did. Um, they did a really nice uh, fig- release of like twelve of the the Portuguese national team. Yeah. Um, from like I guess that came out in like ninety eight, and um, Figo obviously being the the kind of the star of that team was um, notoriously hard to get because they didn't really release it here. It was like, only in Portugal really. So um, I, I got that about a week ago. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean that's, that's that's not particularly weird or quirky. But no, I just I mean I'll probably use the wrong words to be honest. There it was just more of your you know just things you found during your collection I mean that's an interesting point to make I mean the other things we haven't mentioned so far I mean each figure came with a little card as well and they become quite collectible as well over the years the cards yeah so I, I don't have many of those really I tended to I mean as a kid I would I would just take them out and I would, you know, they had a little bit on the back where you could like give them a rating yeah. out of 10 for for all their abilities and I would just kind of write all over them and then they would just get kind of ruined and, and lost I mean I've got some but um, they're just like in a little box out the way. I don't really collect those. I mean, the, the only thing in here that's a bit stranger than, than the other things is that I've got, um, obviously predominantly everything's football, but I've got a Corinthian um, uh, England cricket team. Oh, and, um, yeah. And I've got a rugby team in front of me here as well. That's, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, not being into those sports, at all, I remember them happening. Um, at the time and I, I've, we mentioned as well speaking they did the mm. Japanese wrestler thing at the time as well didn't they yeah and yeah god why didn't WWE get involved at the, at the yeah. time I, I would have loved that to go along some of my Hasbro figures but yeah um, I, I do remember yeah and you sent that one of well, that Japanese goalkeeper talking to Japanese as well with that brilliant kit that you made that's, me want as well that's that's one of my favourite figures yeah that's the, the Kawaguchi one they did uh, again those are really difficult to get as well because they released those in Japan um, and there was like there were like four four packs um, with all all different players in. So you had like Nakata in there as well. Um, but yeah, the goalkeeper kit it was the it was the one with all the flames all over it. Um, yeah, amazing. The, yeah, the, the I've never seen that before. Arms, I'd, I'd never seen that. That was a really good figure. Yeah, it was a great figure. Um, yeah, I'm just I mean a couple of final points on these because I'm sure if you're not in Corinthian figures, well, uh, you're getting a bit tedious with this now. <laughs> um, and we'll talk a little bit about 90 stuff in a, in a second I was just looking at the I've got a leaflet that's in the the book actually uh, the Art of Life and Kicking book that's got some of the figures on it again and I'm just looking at these and it's just some random names like Jamie Marino had a figure from Middlesbrough and I barely remember him even playing from Middlesbrough so it'd be interesting to know how who decided what players to pick at the time yeah and, and well he Clark. had two spells there as well I think didn't he yeah, I think he did. Yeah, and Andy Clark for Wimbledon is another sort of random one as well. Keith yeah. Brannigan for Bolton. You know, it's, it's got inter- that. Yeah, got that. <laughs> I love that. Got figure. that. Got got need. Um, <laughs> I, I was talking to Barry again earlier, and he said that some of the players were involved as well in some of the uh, um, sort of moulds as well. He couldn't really remember, and he said they had a lot of problems later with Stephen Gerrard because I think he's quite nondescript. So maybe even in later time when the moulds were being produced, it, it was quite hard. Um, to, to get them completely right. Um, the only couple final things I wanted to mention on this is that I remember the, I don't know you've got Power, I think they were called Power Play Little Pop-Up, Power Pops or something, the Corinthian. Yeah, Power, power Pods, I yeah, remember those. They, they were something that also, they kind of, again, they're kind of something collectible, like a card that used to pop up 
um, and, and sort of sit on your desk as well. I'm look, literally looking at a Tony Yaboa one at the moment that mm-hmm. uh, somehow was found in my way into its garage at some point. Um, and there was also, I came across earlier, some unreleased players. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these as well, but there actually was, there is physically proof of a, a card, not necessarily a figure, because maybe the figure was never made, but of a Trevor Sinclair QPR figure. Yeah, they did figure. make one, but only a master. <sighs> so the guy, There's a guy I found online who has it. Oh, it clearly doesn't want to sell it, because <laughs> I'd I'd sell my new house for that. Yeah, but, he doesn't want to sell it. No, I've asked. Yeah, there was a couple of others I saw as well. Uh, I think Robbie Slater of West Ham, Gary Ablett There's of an Emerson. Is, well. is there an Emerson? Oh, yeah, that. there's an Emerson. They they basically made them and then they just didn't release them for whatever reason. I think I think Sinclair was that there was speculation of a potential um, transfer. Transfer, yeah, probably. So they was, didn't yeah. release it in case he moved, um, and then it just didn't come out. Gutted, absolutely gutted. That, that would have yeah. been absolutely uh, topped off my. Uh, um, Andy Pierce was another priest for Wimbledon. Was another one. Paul Furlong that was another one that was unreleased as well. I've just seen these. Uh, yeah, website. I've seen that one as well. That's a good one. Corinthiumarchive.co.uk is, I'll put them on Twitter, but that's where I'm getting that information from. Um, well, before we talk a little bit about other 90s stuff, before we go, I mean, is there anything else, Andy, coming to you first, we haven't mentioned uh, about Corinthians you wanted to add? Uh, no, no, I think we've touched on everything, but just going back to one of the figures that I remember was uh, Francis Benali with the Tash. He was <laughs> yeah. a really, really good yeah. figure. He looked like Freddie Mercury, that he, one. He, he did look like Freddie Mercury, yeah. And I think uh, the Rude Holly Chelsea one was a bit suspect. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, he looks odd. It wasn't the most. Actually, the, it's the rare case where the sports star figure previously was actually better than Corinthian. I think that's probably the only time. Um, I've got a picture here I'm looking at. It's the Collector's Yearbook from 1999, and that's got some classics on it. It's got the Ronaldo figure that you mentioned, but the front, yeah. the front four, well, front five. How about this? Baggio, Burkamp, Ronaldo, Romario, Batistuta. Yeah. That is that's like that is nineties heaven. There's a Hullet one on that actually when he's manager, much better. But, is that the yearbook that it starts off quite close up and then it kind of spirals into the distance? Andy, you're spot on. Ten points, mate. That's yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the one that we've got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's bro- maybe that's probably the only one we ever did. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we go, guys, let's have a quick touch on. I can't have Andy on without talk- quickly talking about kits. Hence his Twitter handle. He's a big collector uh, of. of um, kits and um, pick out a couple of favorites obviously man city being uh, the ones i remember the pur- the purpley kits are obviously the ones i remember from the 90s but you, do you have some favorite man city kits from that era uh i like um the kappa kits obviously were quite um exotic for the time the 97 98 when we got um lee bradbury and king cladsey and paul dickoff playing for us um, we wore a like a yellow rare third shirt away at qpr we got beat 2-0 um I quite like that one. Um, I love the Italian ninety England shirt. Um, the the cowardly the cowardly lion England shirt from ninety two. That's in my top five of all time. Oh, it's an amazing shirt. Um, yeah, and I'm also quite. Uh, I shouldn't really say this being a City fan, but I do like the Newton East. You know, it's hard shirt. not to, isn't it? I mean, you, you know, can't not like. Yeah, it. I mean, I think they had some great kits in the nineties, just because Umbro really invested in them at that point. I think you know, and Adidas before that as well. With the one of my favourites, with the sort of one that they've they kind of rehashed this season, the kind of maple leaf effect is one of my. Yeah, favorites. I think United were one of the only teams though in the nineties, especially because they were made by Umbro and so was City and Chelsea. But they didn't really have a template. They kind of yeah. had their own unique design, exactly. so they yeah. they had a lot more time dedicated to what they were wearing, whereas City and Chelsea kind of wore similar away kits at certain parts of the 90s mm. uh, Mike uh, bring you in kit fan I know you you like and retweet a lot of our 90s and, and randomness on, on uh, the Twitter feed are you a kit fan do you have some favourite kits 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots really, but um, I mean, I don't have many. I, I uh, had a bit of a sort of dodgy start with it. The first kit that I ever got was that that nasty Chelsea one that was like the kind of the, the they call it like granite, granite and orange. orange. Yep. <laughs> oh, it was Classic. awful. That, so that was my first kit. <laughs> That is a that is a great first kit. My first kit was a I mean it's lovely, it's a QPR Brooks run from ninety two, but it's very standard hoops. But yeah, that is that's that's nineties all over, that granite and orange yeah. thing. I I think Rud Hullick turned up and went, What the hell am I wearing? Um, yeah. but no, classic, classic kit. So that's my dream office, you know, half kits, then figures, and then I'm done. That's um I should have a computer and do work in the middle of it, but I'd probably just stand around <laughs> just looking. Um, but that, I think we've got to end this geek out there, though, because I think we've gone on far too long for some people on our geekiness. But um, I could talk to you guys all day about Corinthian figures. Um, Mike, I didn't ask you, was there anything you, we hadn't mentioned that you wanted to touch on just before we go on the subject? Yeah, just just the only thing. I mean, there's a, do you remember the, the when they did the kind of the little micro ones that came in a little chocolate? Micro stars, yeah, yeah. They came in a little chocolate like ball, like a Kinder Surprise thing. And um, there was, I remember the TV advert, and uh, it was, I remember the little song, and it was like, football crazy, chocolate mad. Yeah, no, I remember <laughs> and, that, yeah. um, And I searched for that recently, on, and I found it on YouTube, and it, and the song was saying, football crazy, football mad, and I was thinking, that, that I don't remember that. And then all the comments are just a barrage of people saying, how has this changed? This was definitely football crazy, chocolate mad. It's really weird. So I, I don't know whether they they changed that after, maybe the... I don't know what what happened with that, but it's it's one of those weird things where you kind of you remember it and you think, well, I'm sure that was that was this, and then it seems everybody else remembers it the same way that I do. Mm. Uh, maybe the health and safety people for kids who are not really meant to eat chocolate nonsense came into maybe, effect, yeah. uh, which is you know one of those pointless days in somebody's life they had to rehash that. But yeah, no, I remember them actually. Again, that the Barry from Corinthians mentioned that earlier about later in that they came this chocolate thing and how they were wanted to expand before they did all those sort of heartback figures they did that's things like chocolate giveaways and, and things like that but yeah def- that was an easy easter present or whatever little present for me i remember that getting a lot of those and i wasn't a big chocolate fan as a kid anyway so but i just was like figure 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 <laughs> but yeah no good stuff well thank you guys i mean that was an absolute blast looking back at corinthian figures with you i think we've covered a lot there and, and with some great memories and it was great to look in your haven as well um mike <laughs> Uh, if people want to get in touch with you about figures and talk about these sort of things, um, Mike, firstly, where can they find you on, on Twitter? Yeah, Twitter's probably the best. If you just search, search Corinthian Collector, it's on there. I've got a, an Instagram and a, and a Facebook thing as well, but, but Twitter's the my favourite. I'm more active on there. Yeah, aren't we all? Um, I've never set up Instagram for AK9. It's just because I don't want to start again. If people want me to, I'll do it, mm. but it's just easier to do one feed at the moment. Don't really do Facebook yeah. either. Um, Andy, and for you guys, where can we find you on the on the Twitter or on any one social network? Yeah, just on Twitter at mcfc underscore shirts. Good stuff. And you'll always you'll find my shirts on there. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed our look back at the old big heads of the 90s. No, not Brian Clough, the Corinthian figures that we all loved <laughs> and adored. I've been Ash Rose. This has been AK90s. Until next time, keep it 90s. I love the